0: Hi, how are you doing? I'm walking alongside a field of oilseed rape that is no longer bright yellow because it's going into pod. So it's a sort of dusty grey green, most of it, with some yellow flowers hanging on here and there. On my left is a wood and inside it is a ruined house. My name's Melissa Harrison and I'm a novelist and nature writer. I'm lucky enough to live in rural Suffolk and I can walk out of my cottage into woods and fields without passing another human being. So from now through spring and summer and into autumn, I'm going to help you keep in touch with the natural world and the changing seasons. Welcome to episode 7 of the Stubborn Light of Things. the wood trying to find the best place to duck in and find the ruin. There's lots of evidence of rabbits, droppings on the ground and little diggings. You can hear a blackbird alarming, telling everyone that there's a human here. They do a great job And they have a different alarm call for danger from the ground and danger from the air. I'm very much danger from the ground. I'm clambering through nettles. Right, I'm going to duck under this ancient ivy. Oh my word. Or am I? Right, I'm through the worst of the nettles. So there's lots and lots of old Suffolk brick. And these are very old bricks, they don't have frogs in them. And the frog is the um, depression in the middle of the brick that the mortar goes in. And there's piles too of old clay pan tiles, the red kind that you get round here. And I'm climbing onto a heap of bricks there's the remains of some kind of range I know, I'm sorry fella there are old bottles here too and an item here that looks like could be a small toilet system or it could be a flue mechanism. It says on it, in inverted commas, bunny. And it's got a lever that goes from side to side. Flue, I reckon. It's really strange to think that somebody lived here and that all of the business of their life lives were carried out here. The dramas, but also just the silly little moments, just the forgetting something and having to go back home, or stubbing your toe, or lying awake. And what is now just a sea of nettles, and some old fittings for walls, was a home, and was deeply known and loved or hated but known someone knew where to put their hand for the door handle even in the dark all the things that we have in our own homes you know the relationship we have with our own homes went on here and now it's almost gone this is a brick cottage or was a brick cottage but around here in some some parts of Suffolk um, at one period cob was a common building material which is basically mud and straw there's not many cob houses left anymore unsurprisingly but when one was left to go to ruin and sink away into the fields it was said to have gone home and I love that You find the Suffolk writers in the 1930s talking about the old cob houses and and seeing them, just a mound in a field, earth returning to earth.
1: A Tale by Edward Thomas Here once flint walls, pump, orchard and woodpile stood blue periwinkle crawls from the lost garden down into the wood. The flowerless hours of winter cannot prevail to blight these other flowers. Blue china fragments scattered that tell the tale.
0: I think I'm going to spin my walk out a little bit today. It's been quite chilly all week and there's been a Really cutting wind, which you get quite a lot in East Anglia, because we don't really have any hills to kind of baffle it. Um, but it's not quite as breezy as it has been today. So I'm going to throw a big loop. I'm going to cross the river, and then walk through um, a couple of fields with cows in, because cows or livestock of any kind means insects, and insects mean swallows, and I'd like to I'd like to go and see the swallows. And then I'm going to cross the road that leads to our local market town and throw a loop through a couple of farms and back to the village. It's really lovely out at the moment. The hedges are full of hawthorn blossom, and because of the wind, a lot of it's blown off, so there's sort of white, tiny white petals everywhere. And it it makes you realise this, this is the peak of the year now. You grow up thinking it's August, because that's when it's summer holidays, and you're looking forward to it, and that's when you spend most of the time out of doors. But... In August, the grass has stopped growing. Most of the native wildflowers are no longer in bloom. The birds are silent because they're in molt. This is it. This is the the peak now. This is when everything's happening. The hedges are full of baby birds. The grass is coming into seed. There's insects all over the place. There's visiting birds from all over the world. The dawn chorus every morning, fresh green leaves. The grass is thick and lush. I'm definitely going to take as much time as I can on my walk today. My guest this week is the Scottish writer and poet Kathleen Jamie, whose first two essay collections, Findings and Sightlines, were a really, really big influence on me and on lots of other nature writers I know. Her most recent collection is Surfacing, which came out last year, and the list of prizes that she's won is absolutely incredible, including the Forward Poetry Prize, and the Costa Poetry Award. That was for the overhaul. And she has sent me an audio diary from uh, the hill behind her town, which is on the Firth of Tay. And she's walking up the hill with her young collie.
2: So here we are, mid-May. Every season is in mid-May. It's my birthday season as well, my birthday falls in the middle of May and now I'm getting on in years, I'll be turning 58 and I can look back I realise just what an influence that has had on my life since I was a tiny girl having my own private celebration in the midst of this glorious natural celebration the sense of light detonating and greenery detonating and uh, I don't appreciate it enough, this lockdown has made me appreciate it Because we live in a place where walks where you meet nobody are easily available, I've been up here on the hill or along the river and watching the succession of wildflowers, watching the succession of of tree leaves coming out. And it's it's been fine, you know? Absolutely embarrassed to say that because, oh, to be in a wee flat with young children, I feel for you. So we're walking down a wee alley between yellow flowering wind bushes. And the rock underfoot, it's a a basalt. These were deposits from ancient volcanoes, apparently. And now we're going up onto the hill a wee bit higher, and uh, I'll speak about that when we get there. So I've come a wee bit higher, and now looking due north, and... As I suspected, there's fresh snow on the northern hills. We've had such a cold east wind this last two or three days. I did wonder if it would lay fresh snow now. And I can just see the flanks of the White Mountains kicking out and just a dusting to bring them into into prominence. I think this must be one of my favourite views. I can now see south being on the crest of the hill to the Lomond Hills. And, and the dog's pulling, me. he's found a scent that he wants to explore. And I have him on the lead. And what can I see? Wind turbines and pylons, of course, and, and the apparatus of the modern world. But i like to look up this the, the glen here, the strath, and imagine, imagine as it was way back, in the Paleolithic days, when the ice retreated, because there would have been glaciers down here. And the, I imagine it just in the early days of, of our era, when the ice was on its way out and people were just coming to explore and follow reindeer up into what was then tundra. I find that exciting to think about. The huge reaches of time that uh, we've inhabited this earth, the times before that, from the volcanoes that were spewing out the rock I'm walking on, the time that we're suspended in a weird way with this lockdown the time that we're trying to buy for other people and for other people to prepare that's what this was all about wasn't it just buying a little time the time we feel acutely some of us um at birthday time when you think i've been given the great gift of another day another year perhaps when you get to uh, say i'm 58 you have a sense of of the shape of your life the arc of your human life pinned out against a much greater arc of time I think it's I think it's everything I think time is everything and um, even down to these wee dandelions down at my feet here which are just turning into clocks now and will disperse and and that's it, a lifelong obsession time and here's the dog chasing his ball and he knows nothing about time
0: just passing underneath a rookery, And while it's coming to the end of the breeding season, there are still quite a lot of young birds and their parents, quite a lot of activity up in the branches. I love the sound of rooks. And they're a real Suffolk bird for me. I didn't know them that well until I came here. They really are a bird of arable landscapes and they like to walk around inspecting the pitch and eating grubs and leather jackets and things like that. And they're so characterful and so clever. One of the reasons I came to Suffolk in the first place was because it had so many old buildings that had survived and I wanted to live somewhere where I could feel connected to the past. Suffolk had a a wool boom, but then the Bottom fell out of the market in the fifteenth century, I think, and no one had the money to rebuild. So there's all of these lovely old survivors. They've got modernised. And the railway couldn't come out to much of Suffolk, and parts of it are cut off by the rivers and by marshy ground. And everywhere there are these little labourers' cottages, usually in rows of three, one bed, one and a half. And that was just the right size for me. When I came here, I found myself going to antiques markets and trying to buy things that had marks of use, marks from the past, wood with a nice patina, things that were old and mended, trying to make my cottage feel, and my tenure of it feel connected. But people have always been doing this and rooks are a good example. In his classic 1862 book, British Birds in Their Haunts, the Reverend C.A. Johns, who's a favourite of mine, writes that the rook is everywhere encouraged and indeed all but domesticated. There are few proprietors of modern domains pretending to be parks who would not purchase at a high price the air of antiquity and respectability connected with an established colony. That really makes me smile. Imagine all of these new money people buying up country estates and desperately trying to get rooks because it made it look as if they had always been there and bb the children's author dennis watkins pitchford wrote most of the ancient country estates of a colony usually near the big house and it is certain that ill will befall the family should the rooks depart and build elsewhere Just walking through the field and quite distantly in the corner of it are the cows, all different colours, some cream coloured, some ruby red, some black, mostly lying down and chewing the cud. And here are the swallows, swooping low, 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 only a few feet above the grass, flickering their wings, feasting on insects. It's such characteristic behaviour when you see that. The swifts tend to feed a lot higher up on spiderlings and aerial plankton, we call it. But this kind of very low flickering flight is usually swallows. As I'm sure you know, my Nature Notebook columns for the Times will be collected together and published by Faber in November as the stubborn light of things. And here's an extract from a column I wrote in May... 2016, when I was still a Londoner. The Times Nature Notebook, May 2016. As a nature lover, I feel so lucky to live in a city like London. Many of our most ambitious and forward-thinking conservation projects are taking place in urban areas, transforming heavily used landscapes, breaking ground with exciting new approaches, some of which can be harder to get off the ground in rural areas, And connecting appreciative and engaged residents with the natural world. One such project is Woodbury Wetlands in the heart of East London. A construction scheme to build new homes, 41% of which will be for social housing and shared ownership, is occurring in tandem with the transformation of a reservoir into a wetland nature reserve managed by the London Wildlife Trust. Not only will it be a haven for wildlife including frogs and newts, reed buntings, terns and reed warblers all already present despite the ongoing building work, it will also be invaluable for helping local people connect to nature. A drinking water reservoir was built here in 1833, its contents until 1980 disinfected with chlorine and sodium phosphate gas. Once that stopped, wildlife began to return and it was designated a site of metropolitan importance for nature conservation in 1987. Since 2010, London Wildlife Trust has been establishing reed beds and nesting islets, planting wildflowers, hedgerows and fruit trees, and converting the Grade 2 listed coal house to a visitor centre and cafe. They've also recruited 70 local volunteers to help care for the site. To see the tower blocks of the East London skyline through the elegant waving pennants of the Phragmites reeds that already fringe the reservoir is a magically dissonant experience. The water level has been lowered so that silt rich in invertebrates can be dredged up and used to create reedbed islands where birds can nest, safe from foxes and cats. There will be boardwalks through the head-high reeds, a hide for birdwatchers and an education area. That much of the work is being carried out with the help of volunteers is testament to the depth of local commitment to the site, which will not only provide a home for London's wild inhabitants, but boost humans' health, happiness and property prices, no doubt. That loud... And quite mechanical sounding song is the black cap. A little bit warbly like a blackbird, but less musical, but more musical than a dunnock. Did you know that our beloved Reverend Gilbert White, the parson naturalist, had a great influence on Charles Darwin? I was informed of this this week by um, the excellent Friends of Darwin Twitter account. And it was all to do with earthworms. Uh, It was Gilbert White who pointed out that all fields had passed through the intestines of worms and he thought they were very useful and that a study of worms would open up a whole new area of natural history. And nearly a century later, Darwin did exactly that. So there you go. Here's this week's diary entries from Gilbert White for today, May the 18th.
1: May the 18th, 1778. The wind damages the flowers and beats off the blossoms from the apple and pear trees. May the 18th, 1780. Field crickets in their pupa state lie out before their holes. Magpies tear the missile thrush's nest to pieces and swallow the eggs. May the 18th, 1785. My walnut trees seem much injured by the frost. The laurels shoot at the bottom of the boughs. Sycamores are injured. Chafers swarm about Oak Hanger and on the chalky soils, but not with us on the clays. May the 18th, 1793. A man brought me a large trout weighing three pounds, which he found in the waste current at the tail of Binns Pond, in water so shallow that it could not get back again to the Selborne stream. Made rhubarb tarts and a rhubarb pudding, which was very good.
0: I'm nearly back at my village now. I'm just walking through a dark, shadowy conifer wood. Um, you can hear the pine cones crunching under my feet. And it's quite a secretive wood. It feels, feels like that to me. There's lots of rabbit diggings and it always makes me think of Dylan Thomas and his quarters and rabbits wood. And also of another Edward Thomas poem as the team's head brass when the couple disappear into the wood at the beginning of the poem and pop out again at the end. You can visit Selborne, Gilbert White's parish, and you can go to his house and walk around the Plester and you can climb the zigzag path up the hangar. You can look at his vegetable garden. It's all still there. And I just find that extraordinary. There's something about the fact that some things persist through time that my mind snags on. I, I've never been able to quite believe it or understand it somehow ever since I was a little girl just as I walk around Suffolk and look at the old horse ponds that once watered the heavy horses that are no longer here and I look at the little green um, grassy islands at the road junctions because when it was all horse and carts they needed a big turning circle at junctions it's how can it be Kathleen Jamie called time her lifelong obsession. And I know exactly what she means. I've just never been able to reconcile myself to it somehow. There's an old photo of me at the age of maybe seven on Box Hill in Surrey with my best friend Sarah Cole. And I'm wearing shorts and you can see the little birthmark on my, my right knee that I still have and it just blows my mind. How can I be the same person in the same body? How does this work? And of course one day people are going to look back at us now in our funny old-fashioned clothes with our silly, unformed beliefs. And it will blow their minds that we walked in the same places and saw the same things they do. And they'll probably try and understand this period of the coronavirus crisis and what it was like for us. And they'll have lots of resources to hand, but they won't be able to understand what it was like for us because they won't have any context they won't know what we went into it believing and how those beliefs were changed, what our hopes were and how they were dashed. And of course, they'll know how it turned out, which we don't. All we have is uncertainty. And appropriately enough, certainty and uncertainty are ideas I'm going to be exploring next week when I'll be joined by the poet... Will Burns before I go I wanted to say thank you thank you for coming on these walks with me and thank you for the amazing comments that you've been leaving on podcast websites and on Twitter making this podcast has been as much about helping me and my producer Peter Rogers get through this period as anything else And it's really a privilege um, to do this and to have you with me. So thank you. I'm already looking forward to next week. Thank you.